Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up Inspiring Health Stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I'm the founder and chief storyteller of TV Media Group. But for the purpose of this podcast, I am your health and happiness matchmaker. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Hit subscribe right there on YouTube, turn on those notifications, and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to stay connected with you. Now, today we are talking about 10 miles of open space in the city of Miami, $140 million of public money raised. Programming, public art, and outdoor space all meet here. We're talking about The Underline and going one-on-one with its founder, Meg Daly. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want. It is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, today I am so excited to meet for the first time virtually. We were just talking about <laughs> how nice it is to connect in person, which hopefully will not come too long after. Meg Daly, nice to see you here. Nice to see you, Tamika. Thank you so much for asking me to be on your show. It's really, it's a pleasure. And and yes, we are going to meet over coffee or tea or maybe even a glass of wine on the underlines someday. There we go. Now you're speaking my language. Now I'm dangling a carrot, so watch out. <laughs> speaking of the underline, Meg is the founder, president, chair of the board of directors of Friends of the Underline. And I figure a good place to start is for those who don't know what the underline is to tell us a little bit more about the underline. Sure. Thank you. Um, well, it started you know seven years ago. I had a bike accident and um, broke both of my arms. And yes, so for an A type of person, whoa, you just came out of the gate with that. Like I had no idea. Oh my gosh! Wow. Oh, it's just one of those like when you get lemons, make lemonade stories. Yeah. And I'm a, such an A type personality. I've been an entrepreneur for many, many years. And this was probably one of the most humbling moments of my life that I couldn't do anything for myself. We actually had to get a caregiver uh, for me because you can't do much without your arms. I live near the Metro Rail in, in Coral Gables. And after about a couple of months of healing, I had to get to physical therapy in Coconut Grove, which is just you know two miles north of me and got off at the Grove station and then walked below the Metro rail. And, you know, there was something about, you know, slowing down and walking and not driving by it, that it gave you a deeper appreciation uh, for the space and the potential and the opportunity. And that's when I was like, hey, let's just turn it into a big park. I mean, seriously, it was just like this crazy idea. And um, I, I just started talking to people about it. Um, I have this crazy idea and they were like, no, it's not so crazy. That's actually a really good idea. Um, and so fast forward to today, the underline is a 10 mile park and trail and art and community destination below Metro rail from the Miami river to Dayland South. It's 120 acres of urban reforestation and places to play and recreate, walk and bike and, or just hang out. 
was it the accident that really got you starting to think about this green space? Like, what did it happen in that area? Or was it really because you were walking uh, back and forth to Coconut Grove? I think there was, there was something to be said for the hum- uh, to the humility of not being able to do anything for myself and being so reliant on others. It was sort of like seeing the world with a different set of glasses. Like, instead of saying, oh, that's blighted and ugly and how terrible that is and all this trash that's here and, you know, I feel unsafe. It was sort of like, wow, we have an opportunity to make something beautiful. And and sort of the second part of that equation is that I really do believe that green spaces and public spaces and parks are the green soul of a city. And I think that Miami has a long way to go in that. Um, Mm -hmm. Like if you go to a New York or you go to a San Francisco or Chicago, they're older cities that that planned those parks as as not you know an afterthought that it was right. a necessity for humanity. I would say Miami is not really the city I think of when I think of green cities or green green spaces, I should say. And even you know, there's been so much conversation around like it's not a bike friendly city and all of these things and how congested the roads are. So it's nice to see this happening when you think of. Um, you know, you mentioned New York and I, the first thing that comes to my mind is something like the High Line or in Atlanta, the Belt Line. Um, so I was just reading your bio and seeing that your position with the underline is completely volunteer, um, <laughs> which knowing that this all started seven years ago and seeing where things are now, I mean, wow, what you have accomplished, um, Tell me about your passion behind the project and really making it all come to life and what keeps you going as a volunteer. I mean, I think that's a that's a great question. And I hope your listeners don't think I'm absolutely out of my mind for doing this full time for free for seven years. Um, I come from a family that, you know, we're sort of activists when I was a kid, had a big family and if we wanted to save something, we had to get petitions signed and um, had a younger brother who was seriously disabled. So my parents got into the law around um, mobility issues for persons with disabilities, um, save the Biltmore, save Bird Road from being a highway. Um, my dad was the founder of the Performing Arts Center. Um, they were heavily involved in historic pres- preservation programs around equity, inclusion, you know, so you know, there was just, that was just kind of our identity, but I never had anything in my uh, work experience that allowed me to really tap into that because I was an entrepreneur and a mother and a sister and a daughter. And it was, it was a lot to lift. And I think a lot of working moms understand that. And um, when I had the idea for the underline, um, what happened was I immediately found a community of people who cared and they're passionate about this place. And, and I sort of felt like I was sort of this accidental resident um, who didn't have a connection other than my direct family. And, and what keeps me going in this project every day is the, is the accident of meeting incredibly beautiful people who are doing remarkable work and the unsung heroes of the future of Miami. It's so fun because I feel like Miami is still such a young and evolving city. And like, I feel like being an entrepreneur, just having a role in in Miami, like you can really help shape this city. Um, 
Well, I think that's a great point. You know, Tamika, uh, one of the things my dad used to say was, um, if you go, if you go to New York and you have a big idea, Meg, he would say to me, you know, you probably find a lot of reasons that people would say you can't do it. But Miami, I think being so young is that it's sort of like, sure, you're crazy. You want to take that on, you should go do it. Um, but I think that's a strength in the city is that, you know, we're, we tend to be more nimble and open to crazy ideas like mine. Um, in, ter in terms of the people, you know, doing incredible work, um, you know, very early on, um, I met with a woman from Baptist Health and a an elected official was like, oh, you have to meet this woman, Jessie Barron. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't even, I don't have anything to show her. Like I'm just this idea. And she's like, oh my gosh, I have to get this person and this person, and we have to do this. And we have to light this up because this is all around our mission of really preventive care of getting people more mobile. Um, and, you know, sort of ambient movement, you know, fighting obesity, diabetes, and heart disease. And so she, she was a believer, they were a believer. So this larger collective, the University of Miami adopting us for vision exercises through the School of Architecture. And so like my, these friendships became like bigger and bigger and bigger. This project is led by Miami-Dade County, this, the um, transit department now, at least 90 of their staff in one way or another has worked on this project. So has the Parks Department, so has DERM, so has RER, by the way, they're all acronyms. Um, they're all <laughs> um, the same, same people, all City of Miami, Coral Gables, South Miami, and we connect over the river. How do you connect over to the river and to those other communities in Miami, like Overtown, and then up to Wynwood, and then going east, north, you know, so it's sort of like all these people doing kind of doing God's work in, in building a better place. A more recent partnership is with Big Brothers Big Sisters. And, and that happened through um, really serendipity. We did a, a program with um, the Miami Heat. We had just opened in February. We have an outdoor gym that has um, flex court soccer and basketball. And the Heat saw it. We had been chasing the heat for two years. It was like this, you know, this adorable guy. And they finally turned around and goes, oh, you're cute too. And, <laughs> and so they were like, we want to do our first in-person programs with our kids for junior NBA on the underline. And we're bringing big brothers, big sisters with us. And that moment I met Gail Nelson from big brothers, big sisters, and we did basketball. And then I'm like, okay, kids, we're going to go look at the butterflies on the underline. And they saw Monarch. They saw the caterpillar, they saw the butterfly, they saw the cocoon, many of them for the first time in their lives that they felt like nature was accessible to them. This all seems to have come together so beautifully. I know there was a lot of hard work involved in it. So you have an idea. How do you even start putting the pieces together of executing that idea? Fair enough, right? Because <laughs> you know you don't get to open without a lot of hardship in the middle. Um, so I mentioned the, um, the School of Architecture at UM, you know, kind of adopted us. And that was important because it's hard for people to imagine this place. And I have pictures of before. I mean, it's dirt, um, it's unsafe, it's probably unhealthy, um, full of trash, lots of feces. Um, and, and then how do you really make that beauty again? And, and so they, it was student work and they did great work in helping people, you know, getting not just to the why, but the what. 
And, and then that, when you have something in your mind's eye, you can, you can rally around it. Right. And then, and then we had to do the hard work of raising money um, because you can't get permitted on student work. So we had to, we went through a, um, um, a request for proposals for design teams. We ended up with one of the best design teams, I think in the world, the ones that did the High Line in New York, you mentioned them. Mm. They also participated at one point with the Atlanta Beltline. Um, you know, so those projects we have, a, they're very good friends of ours. Um, and then, you know, you have to go get money and, you know, this, the, these projects of industrial reuse and infrastructure reuse, there is absolutely no one door that you can knock on to get your project built. Like you want to build a highway, you know, where to go. You go to FHWA or you go to DOT with us. It's sort of like, I don't know, we're, you're lots of things, right? So we ended up getting lots of different funding sources, um, federally, um, state, county, and municipal, all for construction, over $140 million. The last big grant we got in was a federal grant. Um, Miami-Dade County had sort of had a pretty low batting average um, in, in bringing home some of these infrastructure grants. And, and so we got a lot of help from our the county, the, these funds go to the county. So we're part of the design process, we're part of the advocacy, and then we become the operators once a segment is built. And so that was a $23 million grant that I was a co-author on, totally unqualified to write a very highly technical grant. Um, our pro bono attorney was also a co-author. And then, and then our project manager at the County Transportation Department, Irene Hegedus, and um, what that grant did was pretty much completed. It was like our last tranche of funding, but it also set a timeline that the whole project 10 miles has to be done in five years. What is it about this project that people have got, you, you think makes people get behind so fiercely, like volunteer their time and their efforts to really, I mean, this is a lot to make happen. If we really want to invest in building a better city, we have to make this a multimodal place for everyone of all abilities to be able and, and socioeconomic incomes to be able to have the choice to walk, bike, take mass transit, get there faster than they would in their car, and to have that choice to not have to invest in you know $8,000 a year in a car. But if it takes you longer to take the bus and the train and the walk and the bike than it does to hop in your car, you know, then you're just going to, you know, go to the most convenient, fastest solution. So what people have really routed around is we're one of the most dangerous places to walk and bike in the United States really? and all of the state of Florida, all the major metropolitan areas, Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa, Miami, and we're pushing to the top of the list. So there are these people who really care about making it safe for kids to ride their bikes to school and making it safe for someone in a wheelchair to get across the street without feeling vulnerable to getting hit, um, to making sure that if I'm elderly or for my mom in a stroller, that they feel like they should be able to walk and bike to where they wanna go. And I'm, I am one of them, that I believe that that's a very important attribute to a great city. Um, number two um, is, is nature. So what these people really care about, and we have, we have pulled this, we have done in our first master plan, we had a hundred meetings. So this is not like I'm, we're going to a cave and we're like saying, this is what you need. 
everything we're doing is what people have consistently said they want. And if you're listening first and designing second mm. and then honoring their wishes third, then they're connected to your mission because they're part of your mission. And, and that is, um, that's a really important, important thing to do. And I think that a lot of people forget that because it's not easy work. It's not easy to get people to your meeting. It's not easy to schedule a meeting. It's not easy to get people who don't want to talk to you to talk to you. And it's not easy to listen to things you don't want to hear. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you have to be willing to be wrong. And you have to be willing to put other people's vision for your project first. Was there something that you were wrong about that you learned you were wrong about through listening that surprised you? One of the things um, was probably thinking it should all be a park and not necessarily trail driven. And we've flipped that. So the connective tissue is the trail. And the other thing that I think I was absolutely wrong on was that I thought I could just do it by myself. <laughs> and, um, you know, so it was sort of, I'm just always used to doing things on my own and for myself and, you know, and it's, if it's, if it's my mistake, it's my mistake. And I have become incredibly humbled, um, by learning how being comfortable, um, being uncomfortable, um, and getting outside of, you know, a very small area that I operate in. I know you mentioned uh, there's a tech master plan and also an art master plan. Can you tell us kind of what's ahead for the, the underline? But we think that there's more um, to this experience and um, getting people to, to be part of, you know, connecting to nature, uh, resiliency, um, and, and also learning, sort of lifelong learning. What can we do? So that when you're in a place, you're, you know, you're always sort of gathering um, something that'll, you can go home with. And we think technology can help us with that. Um, so we're very fortunate with Miami-Dade County and the um, and a Wi-Fi provider called Hotwire Communications that will have free, hot, free Wi-Fi for people who visit. And, and, the, and this is pro bono. This is truly pro, pro bono. It will not be monetized by Hotwire. So it's really impressive. And then, and we, so we don't want this to be an app, right? Where you sort of just like, oh, I'm here, I'm there, and I know where to go. It needs to be more like, how can my experience be amplified and, and bettered by um, technology? Um, so we engaged this incredible team from New York, um, and they, they collaborated with the founders of Sidewalk Labs, who sort of like imagined the smart cities movement. And then the other is a an art master plan which was envisioned by some pretty brilliant people um, and from New York and Boston and Harvard and everything else. And even looking at landscape as a form of art. And um, so three-dimensional, two-dimensional, we're looking at the, um, we have a beautiful mural by an artist named Edney Jean-Joseph telling the story of the Bahamians who were brought here to build Flagler's Rail and using a Matisse cutout pattern. It's an 80 foot wide mural, it is not small. It was his first large commission and it's really telling the story of those Bahamians who came here and made Miami their home. Um, and we want this to be a 10 mile um, outdoor gallery, um, experiential, and one want art that you don't have to just look at, but you should play on. So there should always be play mm. in everything we do. Mm. Um, it's one of, our, one of our core values is fun. Um, 
And then, then we want to be um, a place for people to test, you know, their own ideas. Um, so we partnered with the Children's Trust and we've launched a program for high schoolers uh, to run the business of their dreams um, on the underline. And so uh, your listeners can come out on Saturdays, Sundays, and I believe we expanded the programs to Thursdays and Fridays. And these kids have a dual enrollment with Miami-Dade College for college credit as high schoolers. It's been, really been an adventure um, trying to help them bring their businesses to life. So tell me about that. Can you give me an example? Like when they, you mean they're kind of pitching their businesses on Saturday, on the weekends? Like how, how does that, what does that look like? We, we have a program um, through the Children's Trust. We got a grant and it allowed us to build um, um, a half cont- cargo container um, retail space right out front of the Brickell Metro Rail Station. And then we had all these kids, these high schoolers submit their best ideas for a business and then kind of like shark tank style uh you pick the short list and and these kids are very very ambitious and very resilient and really smart but i'm telling you it's it's taxed our organ our teeny little organization because we're writing all their marketing material we're there with them every day when they're open and and they're bringing in revenue and they have a little stipend to cover for all their expenses. And uh, we would like to expand that to, to non-experimental, non-ex- maybe um, small businesses, minority owned, so that we can have everything from nature to technology, to art, to these programs, to business. So it becomes more and more and more. It's like a little contained moment of beauty. <laughs> when it comes to health, because that was something we briefly touched on earlier, um, and the health of people in a major city. How do green spaces or outdoor spaces like this play a role and why are they so important? Well, you know, there's there's two prongs of health, physical and mental. Um, mm-hmm. And what the pandemic mm-hmm. taught us is that we couldn't go anywhere. And so there was this hunger, you know, this absolute um, pining to be outdoors again. So it was like outdoors were the new indoors bike sales were through the roof and people were, you know, dusting off their bikes and kids are learning how to bike. And I hope that that, you know, becomes sort of the new normal. Um, And we demand not just the underline, but other facilities across the county, you know, like Plan Z, Ludlam Trail, um, connecting the underline to two other projects called the Miami Loop. We need to demand these, we need to demand these facilities, not just for ourselves and our own health, but future generations. I used to ride my bike to school and my, I came from a family of five and my parents usually didn't know where I was, but they figured if my bike was gone, I was off somewhere and I probably wouldn't hurt myself or others. And, and I, we live about, I don't know, less than a mile from Sunset Elementary. And my kids said, you know, can I ride my bike to school? And I'm like, absolutely no way. And they said, why not? And I'm like, it's the driver's. But I've learned it's not the drivers, although Miami is notorious, but it's the way we built our city is we haven't, we haven't built it for people to walk or bike safely. I mean, there's streets that don't have sidewalks. There are streets that don't have trees. There are streets that don't have facilities for us to, to bike. And that is the future of, this, of, of, the, of an urban world. Because if you're walking, you're biking, you're doing it ambiently, and you're not driving to CVS, you are healthier 
And there is a huge body of work around that. So it is proven, it's, it's statistically accurate and factual. What would be your advice to maybe other budding entrepreneurs or small businesses as they face challenges? I'm always very honest about um, the fact that I never feel qualified to do what I'm doing. And women really suffer um, from a real issue of, of not believing that they really belong at that table. You know, we inherently don't believe that we belong at the, spa- at the place that we've earned that seat. Right. So there's always this second guessing. Um, and I, and I, I mean, I, there are some days where I'm like, what am I doing here? Why am, how can I possibly succeed? But I literally have to wipe my brain from negative thinking. And, and, and the more that you, that you're um, mindful about negative thinking, the more mindful you are about positivity. And I, and, it, and it's not like a poster you see on the wall and that's not what, you know, I'm going to have this thing on my refrigerator every day. It's literally checking in to how you're, how you're seeing yourself and how you're valuing your own work. And it has been a real test for me, even though I am an entrepreneur, even though I have had, you know, enormous, you know, luck and success, but it just seeps in. It's called imposter syndrome. But I also want to add that the reason I'm here is because of the help of so many, whether it be an elected official who believed um, back in the day, a Carlos Jimenez, um, Francis Suarez, Vince Lago. I mean, because those people, you know, can can make or break the project if they believe in that if, in you or not. And so, bringing your passion, bringing your vision to your storytelling, is more powerful than anything you can do. But you have to believe, and you can't be. An, you're not an imposter. I just got chills. You're speaking my language. I love it. And, and that's such good advice too. You know, it's just, it's good to remind ourselves of that. So thank you for that. And of course, before we go, I have to ask, how can people support the underline and how can they find you and learn more? Uh, we have a website and we work hard at it. And if you see an error in it, please let us know. <laughs> the underline.org. And, you know, you can also find us through uh, Miami-Dade County. We're one of their um, priority projects. Um, but they've been, but they've believed in us and said, you guys can take the lead voice. Um, anyone can make a donation of any amount, but our currency is volunteerism. And, and we really believe in the skills that people bring to this project. We have everything from days in the dirt where you can, you can help us weed. Um, you can help mm-hmm. us. We're going to soon bring our um, health and wellness programs, um, in person, we think by August. So, you know, help us with checking in people, or if you have a special talent around yoga, you could back up our instructor. So there's so many ways to be part of this project and bring, um, you know, meaningful value to your community through us. Absolutely. I love that. And I'll make sure to link to the website. And I know you guys are also on social media. I've seen you on Instagram. Are you all the other places, Facebook? It's, it's all um, at, at the underline MIA. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So I'll make sure to link to all of that below as well. So everyone can find you, check you out. I know you have a great email newsletter so they can stay up to date on everything you guys are doing and also find you online. So that is perfect. Is there anything else, Meg? I really enjoyed this conversation with you. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to add that I didn't ask? 
yeah, I, I would love for people to tell us their ideas because we're all about being better. And I talked about, you know, the ideas in our master plan did not come from me. I mean, they came from the community. So if you want to talk to people who listen, please talk to, talk to us because we believe in you. I mean, it's, it's everyone's city, right? We all have a, a, a role to play in shaping it how we want. Yeah. And that's why, you know, everyone's welcome here because this is the project of many, not just one. I hope you enjoyed learning more about The Underline. If you're like me and are in Miami or have visited Miami and have noticed that, hey, it's not really a city known for its green spaces, its walkability or its bikeability. But we're here for the long haul and we know and are excited to see that changes are coming. The way we move through this city is changing one step at a time with projects like The Underline. So make sure you go ahead, check them out, visit them, their website, connect with them on social media. And hey, if you're interested in donating, volunteering your time, they could really use your help. And also, hey, if you're not already, make sure you're connected with me. I'm on LinkedIn, YouTube. That's where you'll want to subscribe, turn on notifications so you don't miss another episode and all of the other social media. You can find me there too. So until next week, when I see you right back here, stay happy, stay healthy.